Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For on my own, you see your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. Let's sing, I give thanks. I give thanks for all. Oh yes, 
church you good and it's uh, good to be with you yeah oh, we got uh, somebody's pumped up that's great uh, it's great to be with you guys uh, for those of you that I haven't met yet my name is David Walters and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at church it is a privilege uh, to be with you uh, guys today uh, for a number of reasons um, last week uh, my family and I we were out of town we had gone the week before uh, to the beach and uh, some of you are like well no duh you're tan um, at our home we call it less pale it never actually reaches tan status, uh, just less pale. Um, so we were gone last week, and anytime we're away from the church, we just realize and remember how much we love the Vine Church. Um, and so it's great to be back because of that. Um, I did have the opportunity to go online. If you aren't familiar, if you miss a Sunday during the summer, um, you can check us out online because we'll put our worship service up online for you to view. Um, but I did get a chance to check out last week's message, which if you were here, you know was preached by... Abigail Tellis, who did our welcome this morning and our hosting this morning, and it was her first time ever preaching, and I was completely blown away. Even though I had to like preview, I knew what she was going to say, I just didn't know how she was going to say it, and she did a great job. Would you agree with me? And uh, so let's just celebrate Abigail. That's an amazing opportunity for her, and she did an amazing job, and so I'm grateful for that. Um, love being here on um, weekends where we get to have special guests with us. And so maybe as a surprise to some of y'all, because you don't check out our communication pieces, you have your kids with you in service today. Uh, this is one of our um, uh, family worship Sundays. We have a few of those during the years, typically on holiday weekends. Um, and this gives our oppor uh, us an opportunity to rest some of our kids' workers as well as give our uh, kids an opportunity to worship together with their families. And so we've got some um, elementary and maybe some like later preschool age kids that are here with us. So if you're not normally in here, you're normally on the other side of the building. Would you just kind of wave to us so that we can welcome you? So wave and let's give it up for these kids that are with us today. 
I, I hope we make it. Now at 9.15, like I was ready just to quit because like there were these two girls on the front row and like as the like message was going on, they just kind of melted into their seats like and then onto the floor. And, uh, and then they left and then came back and then they left and came back. So um, this might be an abbreviated version of what, what we had at 9.15, which is okay because it's been a long time since we beat the Baptist to lunch. Who's up for that today? Yeah? Yeah. Um, no. So, and one more thing before we jump in is that uh, today's uh, Memorial Day Sunday, which means tomorrow's Memorial Day. Um, we always love the opportunity here to celebrate those who have sacrificed so much for our freedom. If you're a family member of someone who has died in service, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. We want to celebrate these family members. Um, we want to celebrate you on behalf of your family members because you probably lost somebody that was uh, special to you. Um, and they lost their life in service uh, for so many freedoms that we probably take for granted. Um, one freedom that we live into every week here at the Vine is to be able to freely worship. And uh, we do that not just because of their sacrifice in the military, but because of Jesus' sacrifice. He has given his life so that we can worship in, in spirit and in truth. Another thing that we do, and I've actually had um, some of our veterans like get mad at me for this because they understand the significance of Memorial Day and that it is different than Veterans Day, which we know it is different than Veterans Day. Um, but um, they sacrificed like, with the, their, their life, meaning that they died in service. That's what we celebrate on Memorial Day. Veterans Day, we celebrate all those who have served. Um, but I don't think that we as a church um, thank you enough. So if you have served in military, um, would you just raise your hand? Um, we would love to be able to serve and celebrate you. So a few more. And um, if you're a first-time guest, um, we've got like the, the party group up here, okay, just, just to let you know. So, um, so yeah, so it's great to be with you guys um, uh, for all of those reasons. And it's great to be wrapping up our series called Shift. And um, for all the kids that are in here, what we've been doing is we've been looking at some of the great female figures of the Bible. And the reason that we call it Shift is we kind of, there's like this dual like meaning to it. Um, the first reason is that most of our stories that we tell in church have to do with male figures. They have to do with some of the guys that are mentioned in the Bible. But um, all across the pages of scripture, there are these amazing women who have amazing stories of faith. And often what we find in their stories is that, that it takes a little bit of a change of the way that we think. And if we'll change the way that we think, then it's going to change the world around us. And so the way that we've kind of put it in like adult terms is we shift our expectations. We're going to shift our environments. Basically what that means is change the way we think. And if we'll change the way that we think, we're going to be able to change the world around us. And so we've been taking a look at a couple of women. And today we're going to talk about a woman who has a really unique name. And some of you might think it's a funny name. Uh, before we get to that, I, I just want to say I love unique names. Love them. Um, and I think they're awesome. And I, and I love learning the meanings of names because I think that's so important. We, we don't live in a day where people necessarily attach meaning to the names that they give. Um, but back in the day, they used to always do that. They would give a, a name based on kind of a preferred future um, or a circumstance that that person was birthed into. And so for just a moment, um, we're going to do something that's going to make introverts really uncomfortable. And I want to apologize in advance to that and give you the heads up. I'm giving you time to process this. Um, at, at my house, we have three extroverts and three introverts, and I know that I'm going to hear about this a little bit later on today. Um, but we're going to have a moment of forced fellowship. Okay, forced fellowship. What that means is in just a second, you're gonna stand up and I wanna invite you to just talk to somebody that you haven't talked with today. Tell them your name and if you know the meaning of your name, let them know the meaning of your name. And so introverts, bear with me, bear with me. You'll be okay, we'll get through this together. All right, on the count of three, stand up, meet somebody you haven't talked to, tell them your name and the meaning of your name. One, two, three. Extroverts are still standing. All the extroverts are still standing. What does it mean? Come on, bro. Hey, buddy. 
I know your name. All right. No, I didn't. But what does John mean? Well, you got to figure it out. Yeah. And hey, you have my permission if you don't know what your name means, but that piqued your curiosity. You can check out for the rest of the message and just Google and find out what that is. But don't interrupt somebody else once you figure that out and say, I know what it means now. I know what it means now. Um, I love unique names. I think they're important. Um, There's so much that names can tell us about a person. Today, we're going to take a look at that. But I thought I'd have a little bit of fun this morning with you with regards to names. I love seeing what trends every year. Kind of every year, there are a couple names that stand out. And so I went on um, babycenter.com to find out what the trending names were for 2018. Uh, I do know that that was last year, but that's the year that they can compile it. They can't compile it for the current year yet. And so it, fa- it turns out that there was like this nature kind of theme to some of the trending names that were out there last year. And so with boys, here were some of the names, Coyote, Cub, Lion, and Falcon, That's cool. Clearly those people don't live in Atlanta because you'd never name your kid Falcon. They're just destined to blow things the rest of their life. And anyway, um, if your name is Falcon, we'll we'll pray for you. Um, There's like Moss, um, Oak, and Red. Those were some of the trending boys' names. With the girls, still along with that kind of nature theme, that outdoorsy theme, um, Arbor, Breeze, Dove, um, Sequoia, spring, summer, you know, maybe not too wild. Um, but then two things that we love here in Georgia. Peaches, um, and then also, who can't forget our favorite onion, Vidalia. So, I mean, so those names were trending last year, kind of outdoors things. And then you always have some celebrities that have kids. And, and last year, there were some celebrities that had kids. What's funny is we were taking a look at these pictures, and we realized that there was a common connection here. You'll get it in just a moment. So these were some uh, kids that were born in 2018. This is culture with a K. Anytime you can respell a word, um, that's good. And does anybody know who culture belongs to? Cardi B. We've got our celebrity magazine people over here. Okay. Yeah. And then this uh, next picture Um, This is True. Does anybody know who True belongs to? Okay, Chloe. Yeah, Kardashian. Um, Our next picture, Stormy. This is Stormy. Yeah, Um, and that belongs to Kylie Jenner. That's right. And then we've got this next picture. Um, Anybody know who this is? This is, (laughs) it's not North. but it is Chicago. Thank you. It is Chicago. You got to love anytime you can name a child a city and they have a direction in the city <laughs> attached to their name. So this is Chicago West. Um, now this, yeah, so, <laughs> so some of you will get that later. There was a delayed response over here. All right. Hey, look, everybody else, y'all can leave. We're just right here. We're just right here. So this is Chicago West. Yeah. And then in this last picture, not born last year, not born last year. This is Blue Ivy, and, and Blue Ivy's name has been trademarked by the parents sitting on either side. So you cannot name your child trademark unless you want to pay a royalty fee for, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, that was smart. Um, somebody looked at this picture and said, there is a lot of money represented in that picture. Yeah, that's true. Not a part of the message, but it is true. So, um, so there are some unique names that are out there, and maybe you have a unique name. What we're going to see is that today from the Bible, there's a person who has a unique name. Some of us might even think it's funny. But the meaning of that name, and more importantly, the meaning of that person's life has uh, led us to a place where 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this person. Uh, The Bible's full of kind of funny and meaningful names. In fact, when you go back to the Hebrew in the Old Testament, you see that there are a lot of interesting, unique names and great meanings that are attached to it. In the New Testament, I came across some names like Gaius, Rode, like Rode the Island, Rhode Island. Um, If you want to name your your child like a dog, Rufus. Rufus is found in the New Testament of the Bible. Um, Demarius, Drusilla, a couple of other names. The person that we're going to talk about today. Her name is Dorcas. Her name is Dorcas. Now, yeah, and our generation, that's probably a name that's unique and maybe funny to some of us. Maybe it's funny to those of us that grew up and we saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Did you know they're doing a remake of that? Why? Anyway, um, 
Yeah, and, and, and Dorcas, and so we hear that name and it's unique, and I actually know one person who has named that, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, Dorcas um, means literally gazelle. So the, the, the name Dorcas means gazelle. And what's cool is that when you translate Dorcas's name into a more modern name, which is Tabitha, that literally means um, grace and beauty. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched like Nat Geo or um, Animal Kingdom or Animal Planet, and you've ever seen a gazelle. But it is, it's true of a gazelle that they are, they're a grace-filled creature, and they're a beautiful creature. And everything's cool unless the lion catches up, and then it's not cool anymore. But, but the word gazelle was, was actually a compliment when a person was named Dorcas, because the creature is grace-filled and beautiful, which is what Tabitha means. And today we're going to take a look at Dorcas or Tabitha, however you want to do it. I have an, uh, this level of discomfort saying Dorcas throughout the message, so I'm going to go to Tabitha. Um, you can do whatever you want to do, but the story's found in Acts chapter 9. So if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I want to go uh, to Acts chapter 9 today. If you're not familiar with the Bible, um, the book of Acts is found in the New Testament. It's actually a sequel to um, an account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that was written by this guy named Luke. Luke was a doctor. Um, Luke wanted to write a precise account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and then he wanted to give us a precise an accurate account of the, the earliest church. So when the church started with the first church worship service and then when they moved into homes and they met together and then when they went out into the streets and lived out their faith in a very practical way, this is the account of that. And we come across the story of this woman who has a very unique name with a unique meaning and she lived into that meaning and she is still being talked about today. And before we get to her story, I just want to speak to every one of you, especially those of you that are younger in age. And I would love for you to just look up to me right now, look up at me right now, every person that's here, even if you're older in age, but especially if you're young. What I want you to know is that regardless of the name that you were given, there's a spiritual name for you that has a spiritual meaning for you. And that spiritual meaning you're invited to live into. And if you will live into the meaning of that name, then your name will be talked about. But even greater than that, the name of God will be talked about because of you. And, and I, don't know, I don't know what you think about your name. I grew up and I have a funny middle name. It's, uh, it's my grandfather's last name. It's my maternal grandfather's last name. And it's Cochran. And when you're a kid, that doesn't sound normal. And people used to make fun of it. And it took me a while to live into it. But I want you to know, whatever your name is, God has a name for you, and God has a meaning for your life and a purpose for it. And if you'll live into that, people will remember you. But more importantly, they'll remember the one who gave you that name, and that's God. So we're going to see that played out through the life of Dorcas or Tabitha in Acts chapter 9, early days of the church. Now there was in Joppa a disciple, everybody say disciple, named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works. Everybody say good works. And acts of charity. Say charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him up to the upper room, and the widows took, stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed, everyone say believe, in the Lord. What a cool story. For a name that some of us probably like, ah, oh, that's funny, but has great meaning, grace and beauty. And I think if we would take a look at Tabitha's life for just a moment, what we'd realize is that 
that her life is lived out into the meaning of that, but it's done with a different expectation than many of us who, who seek to do good things for others. And, and so the shift in expectation or the, the change in the way that we're thinking is that we would do good works not to receive God's love, but that we would do good works as a response to God's love. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. We do good works not to receive God's love, but in response to God's love. And one of the things that I know about every human being, young or old, is that we all want to be loved. It's a universal emotional need. And children feel that even more. And often, sometimes unintentionally, what we kind of teach our children and then we grow up with it. And, and it, now that we have social media, it's escalated even more. And then when you get into adulting, like it, you feel it too, is that we often feel like the only way that we can be loved is if we perform. The, the only way that we can be loved is if we're a good student and we make that good grade. The only way that we can be loved is if you make the team and you perform well on the team. The, the only way that you can be loved is if you get a like or a share or a comment. The only way that you can be loved is if you get that job and then you get the promotion and then you just keep escalating up and to the right. And, and so we're taught throughout our life that, that often our, our acceptance by other people, God, uh, their affirmation and their affection for us is dependent upon how we perform. And what we discover about Tabitha is that her good works that she did, it was a response to the grace that had been given to her. The reason that I had you say disciple is because what we note in this story is that she is already a disciple. Now we're just a few, few um, days, months into like post-Jesus ministry. The church has just been born. The message of the gospel has just been going out and she's already bought into this idea that that universal longing that she has to be loved has been found in the fullness of who Jesus is. And so what we do in life is we'll take that universal longing to be loved, loved by our parents, loved by our siblings, loved by our friends, loved by our coaches, loved by our teachers, loved by our employees. We'll take that universal need that we have to be loved and then we'll project it onto God, right? Because we think that our human relationships reflect our heavenly relationship and that's not the case at all. And what Tabitha has already learned because she is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is that Jesus was God's expression of his unconditional love, which we call grace. The word grace means that there is a love that you don't deserve and a love that you can't earn. There's a guy named Paul. Some of you are familiar with Paul. Kids, maybe you've heard about Paul and Kidzu. Uh, adults, maybe you've heard about Paul mentioned here and there. He wrote the majority of the New Testament, but what's crazy is that he was brought up in a religion that said, if you want a right relationship with God, you've got to earn it. And the way that you earn it is by passionately obeying 613 commandments. Like we only have a few rules at our house and it's hard for our kids to keep up with those rules, right? And, and I don't know about what your experience is at your house, but what I know is we have a hard time obeying rules. Some of you, you're going to leave church and you're going to see that speed limit sign and you're going to tack on plus nine and you're going to go. <laughs> we, we have a hard time with it. It's, it's a part of our nature. But Paul brought, was brought up to where like he had to perform in order to get into right standing with God that would lead to eternal life. And then he has this encounter with this guy named Jesus who has already died and come back from the dead and he experiences the resurrected Jesus. And it changes his life. And he talks about how he was a zealot for the law. He was a zealot, that means passionate. He was passionate about following rules. And now all of a sudden, he's passionate about proclaiming God's love. Because what he learned through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, is that that was the greatest demonstration of God's love. And you don't have to do anything to receive it you just need to receive it. And the way that he says you receive it is by faith. But don't take my words for it. Take his words for it. We're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. A great verses to memorize. In fact, many of you probably have these memorized. For those of you that don't, I would encourage you to do that. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace, everybody say grace. grace. 
God's unmerited, that means unearnable and unending, unconditional love. For by grace you have been what? Saved through faith. Trust. You don't have to do anything for it. You just have to receive it. Faith is when you say yes to God's yes. Faith is when you understand that there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any more or any less. All you have to do is say yes. That's what faith means. You receive it. And this is not of your own doing, Paul writes. In other words, like you haven't done anything to deserve this. Not, not, not 613 rules. Not even one rule. You haven't done anything to deserve this. It is a gift. Everybody say gift. Of God. Not a result of work so that no one can boast. None of us get to walk into God's office and say, I deserve heaven. I deserve eternity. Look at, look at my resume. Look at my resume. And yeah, I still meet with people who've been in church, they've been in church the majority of their lives, and they still think that they have to present God with a resume. You can't walk into a perfect God's office and say that you've been good enough. And you don't have to, because God's good enough, and God demonstrated his goodness through the gift of his son, Jesus. Now check this out. When we shift our expectation from having to perform to earn God's love, to receive God's love, to just receiving it by saying yes, then we get to respond to God's love through good works. Look at what verse 10 says. For we are his workmanship. That's God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand or in advance, in advance of your life, in advance of the moment that you said yes, in advance of the circumstance or the situation where you get to demonstrate a good work. God has prepared it for you to do so that you should walk in it. Like God loves you so much that he actually created you for a purpose. God loves you so much that he created you with a certain set of innate strengths, with maybe some skills that you pick up along the way. When you come to faith in Jesus, some spiritual gifts. He, he loves you so much that he has created you to do good works. And then he's created opportunities to where your unique meaning in life matches up with a unique circumstance in a situation. And when you put those two things together and you act on it, you're able to bring meaning to other people's lives who are looking for meaning. Like that's, that's what you were created for. You were created to be this artwork. Workmanship means artwork. In fact, the Greek word that gets translated to workmanship is poema. Everybody say poema. Poema looks like or sounds like what? Poem. Like your life's a poem. Your life is a work of art. You're a piece of artistry that has been crafted and created by the hand of God for a purpose. And the purpose is to do good works. Not to, to earn something with God, but to let other people know that they are loved by God. And we see that lived out with Dorcas or Tabitha. Grace and beauty. Grace, her life has been filled with the love of God that was known through the person and the work of Jesus. She's received that grace. And then the beauty comes out in her artistry of her life. Like, come on, y'all, this is good. Her name means beauty and grace. Her life has been filled with the grace of God and the beauty is demonstrated through good works. She is a piece of artwork. And, and let me tell you about how cool this is. Her artwork, her good works, her acts of charity, um, they combined a skill set that she had prior to getting to know Jesus. Um, and that was the, um, the skill of sewing. And what we find out through, through this story is that she would sew together clothes and she would give them to people that were in need, people that needed clothes. Um, one of the greatest um, and, and most needy groups of folks back then, when I say needy, not emotionally needy, just physically needy, financially needy, uh, those groups were a group of widows uh, because 
unlike today's world where widows are typically taken care of through insurance policies and, and other things, back then, widows were kind of discarded unless they had a family member who could bring them in. I mean, so, so there was a group of need. And so you see widows mentioned frequently throughout the pages of Scripture. In fact, in the book of James, this guy writes, hey, like if you want to know what true religion it is, it's taking care of the orphans and the widows. It's taking care of people that can't take care of themselves. And then he even goes on and he says in the book of James, hey, if you want to, if you want to know what faith is, your faith must be accompanied by good works. Like without the good works, your faith is dead. It really doesn't mean anything at all. It's maybe just some lip service. But faith with good works is a true indication of faith. And how do we know what the good works is? Taking care of those that are needy. And so Tabitha, she can sew. And she sews clothes for people that are in need. It reminded me of a story of one of uh, Carly's friends. Carly is my third child. Uh, she's my second daughter. Um, she has a friend named Amelia. And Amelia goes to church here. And Amelia has a skill set where she can crochet. We got any crocheters out there? Yeah, it's kind of outdated. Yeah, yeah, we got like a, uh, that tells me no. Um, but yeah, so, but she has that. And she's like, she's like 11 years old. Um, but she has this skill set of crocheting. And she started crocheting things to give other people. And then she took those um, crocheted flowers to hospitals and gave them away. They're called tear catchers. So look at this. She says, this tear catcher has been made, how was it made? Through her skill. With love. It has been made, how? Through her skills. With what? Love for you. Why? Because there's a universal need that everyone has to be loved. When you feel sad, use this happy flower to dry your tears. Feel better soon. Amelia with a heart. Like, that's cool. Yeah, it is awesome. And it's just like Tabitha, who saw that there was a unique need and an opportunity for her to use her unique poema, artistry, to do something about it. And it was all in the name of love. And here's what I know. Even though those, those people not right, remember like Amelia's face or, or maybe not know anything else about Amelia. When the word Amelia is spoken, they're gonna go, hey, there once was this girl named Amelia who made me a tear catcher. And she did it without me deserving anything from her simply because she wanted me to know that she was loved. And that is the significance of your life. The significance of your life is that you have a name from God. That name has a meaning. And that meaning is something that if you'll live into, it will give meaning to the lives of other people. How do I know this? Because the shift that happened with Tabitha, not doing good works to receive God's love, but to respond to God's love, being filled with grace, demonstrating the, the artwork that she is in a unique circumstance, led to an environmental change. It changed the world around her. How do I know this? Well, when she died, what happened? People who were around her, not, not, not just the like close family members, but, but the people who had been impacted by her life, they were distraught. They cried and they cried out. And then they said, who's the most powerful spiritual person that we know? And they heard that Peter was in town. And maybe they had heard rumors that Peter had walked on water for a couple of steps before he sank. Maybe they, maybe they heard that Peter had preached an amazing, powerful message just seven chapters earlier where 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. Maybe they had heard that people had been healed through his shadow or through rags that he had touched. But I don't know. Maybe they had heard something, but they were like, hey, like this person meant so much that we want to see if we can do anything, anything about it. Maybe you've lost a loved one where you felt the same way too. And so they, they send off to get Peter. Peter comes in and there are these widows, not the closest family members, not the closest friends. And back then they had people you could hire to cry. Um, not even people hired to cry. These were the people who had been impacted by her life and they cry out. She was respected. She was respected and honored in a powerful way that leads me to this question. Leads me to this question. When you die, 
who will be, who will be distressed because of your death? Like when you die, what kind of an impact will you have made on this planet that people will be in distress and they would go, if we can, if there's anything we could do, we, we bring back. Who will do that? I mean, certainly we got the people that are closest to us, those that, that are in our smallest circle of life, but that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way that you would live your life in such a way that you would have so much meaning in your life that when you die, like it, that death has meaning and people are distraught over it enough to cry out to God and say, we'd be willing to do anything and try anything to bring this person back. What will be said of your life? Young people, will you live your life in such a way that one day when it happens, because it happens to all of us, they would say, hey, even, if, even though that person's in heaven, we want them back here. What will they say? Will you live your life in such a way? And then, I, and then I wondered, hey, you know, I mean, because like so much of messages like in prep is like individual. So it's individualized. And I know you individualize it. I know that like when I'm talking, hopefully you're engaging and you're like, okay, how does this apply to my life, my life, my life? Then I thought about our church and I was like, what would happen if tomorrow the vine was gone? Like, would people even notice? Would the community even care? I mean, I, I, I want to believe that. I want to believe that. I want to believe that the eight schools that we just love on throughout the year, like I want to believe that if we were gone, they would be like, oh man, we really miss. It was cool how the, the vine poured into us among us. I want to think that the hundreds of kids that are going to get a thousand boxes of cereal are going to go, you know what, man, ah, the vine, it's gone. So what am I going to do for breakfast during the summer? They were a group of people that cared. You see what I'm saying? I guess we got a short amount of time to make like an eternal difference in people's lives. Not because we need anything from God. He's already got it for us. But because other people need it through us. This is what we have the opportunity to live in. She was respected. I mean, it mattered. When she died, it mattered. It mattered so much that she was brought back to life. Now, this is cool. Like, I I think this is cool because... We have only nine accounts of somebody coming back from the dead in the Bible. Only nine accounts of people who are mentioned, um, and, and she's one of them. You've got pages full of people who died, but no mention of them coming back to life. And here, Tabitha, she gets to come back to life. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool for her. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, like if I was in heaven, just leave me there. Don't bring me back. Mm-mm. Like, hey, I get to see Jesus. That's good. We're good, right? Anybody else with me on that? Yeah, don't bring me back. I'm good. I'm good but she gets brought back. It's not for her benefit. She's going to die again. I get to go through this twice. I mean, she might be thinking like, uh, like one more time. Like, I don't know what she's thinking. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is like, look, like it's not for her benefit. Everybody that dies and then comes back to life, guess what? Dies again, except for Jesus. Jesus is different. He cheats. He's God in the flesh. All right. So, but it's not for her benefit. It's to demonstrate the power of God. And the reason that they're demonstrations of the power of God is so that we can get acquainted with the presence of God. The only reason that we have demonstrations of the power of God is that it would draw us into the presence of God. Why? Because God loves you. God desires a relationship with you. So when God brings back Tabitha by answering Peter's prayer. It is to demonstrate this power that we would all go, yep, mm-hmm, that's pretty powerful because we know how this works. Heart stops, brain stops, we go. There's nothing more powerful than bringing somebody from death to life. Why was it done? So that people could know the presence of God. Why do I know this? Because of what happened. What happened after she was brought back to life? What happened in all of Joppa? Many people what? Believed. Many people believed. What did they believe? God created them in his image and his likeness. God loved them unconditionally. How did he demonstrate that? Through the gift of his son who died on the cross as a substitute for our sin and came back from the dead. And my guess is that a whole community changed because of that. You know what I know? That, that the impact of Tabitha extends beyond Joppa. 
You know how I know that? Because in the 1800s, there were these societies that started forming all across this nation and then across the world. They're called Dorcas societies. I mean, we had a name for that when I was in high school, Dungeons and Dragon Club. I mean, like chess club. I mean, like all kinds of other Dorcas clubs. But I mean, <laughs> these clubs, they were different. The first Dorcas society started from a church, a Wesleyan Methodist church in 1834, where almost everyone in the church was spared their life from a town that went through cholera that wiped out most of the population. And that church that remained, they said, hey, we got to do something about this and the people that are in need. And so what they did was they started providing clothes and food for those that were in need. And then societies started popping up all over the planet. They still exist, though they're few and far between. But what also exists is people that are still named Dorcas. Not many. I know Dorcas Rodriguez. She's a friend of mine. She's a Hispanic minister. And she's got a powerful Hispanic ministry reaching people for the good news of Jesus Christ. Bless you. That was large. (laughs) After the 915 service, this guy comes up to me and he goes, I remember a woman named Dorcas Drake from Jacksonville, Florida. And for 35 years in Jacksonville, Florida, she organized a toy collection at Christmas time to give to kids that were poor. That's the legacy that your life can leave if you'll live into the meaning of your life. People might name a society for you. People might name their kids because of you. But one thing is for certain, their name will be recognized in the Lamb's book of life forever and the name of Jesus will be glorified forever. So what do you say? Young and old, all the kids in here, all the adults in here, let's live our life with meaning. Worthy of every song we could Worthy of all the praise we give and bring. Worthy of every breath we give and bring. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name of our Savior. Jesus, the only one. You're worthy of every breath we get out. We live for you. We live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder. In hope.